Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Today on the show, we have channeler Robert Theis, and Robert channels Archangel Michael. And we had a very profound conversation about the coming great shift that is happening, the new world, the new earth that is going to be being created over the, the coming years, and so much more. This is a fascinating conversation, so let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Robert Tice. How are you doing, Robert? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend. I'm looking forward to hearing your story of how you're communicating with a little-known archangel by the name of Michael. <laughs> <laughs> he's Michael's got some good press, I got to say. He's got a good PR person. He's, he's, he's definitely known throughout the world in many different names and forms. But I'm really fascinated by uh, the teachings that are coming through you and what you're trying to do for the world. And that's why I wanted you to come on the show. So thank you so much for coming. Sure. It's an honor. So first question is, what was your life like before all of this archangel insanity (laughs) that came flying through (laughs) to your life? Well, I think for a lot of us, um, we've all been very sensitive to energies growing up, and yet there wasn't really an outlet for us to express that where it was well-received. So a lot of us then decided not to share a lot of that because there wasn't an audience that understood what we were experiencing. So I think I speak to a lot of the people that are watching this today who uh, had to shut down a little bit in order just to endure the circumstances and all the conditionings that we birthed ourselves into. And then there was that time where we opened up. And in my generation, that was the 60s. And that gets a lot of airplay as far as all the things that happened during that time. And I freely took advantage of that as well, is this was a time to freely express yourself, to find a venue that would allow you to express in a strange kind of way for a lot of people, things that people never really talked about. So I'm honored to be a part of that generation that kind of broke up a lot of the stereotypes for what it means to be a man or a woman and stereotypes for what it means to be married or not married, stereotypes for women, for black people, for all races. All that was reexamined in my time and said, none of this applies to us. How can we make this better? And how can we make a world better that we can actually participate in that is filled more with joy and less with confusion. So I then, like a lot of people in my generation, looked at crafts as a way to put my time and energy into that allows me to stay open and very creative. 
So I, you know, for 35 years, I was a custom furniture maker. And that gave me permission to hide out in the forest of Oregon, where I didn't have to deal with what most people are dealing with. But it gave me the opportunity too to get in touch with nature in a way that I think humanity right now needs to get back in touch with nature. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of my training before Michael came into my life was me just sitting at the base of a tree before I walked up to my wood shop, spending hours just feeling the energy of a tree and feeling like it was communicating with me energetically. And that gave me, well, it opened me up to the possibility that there are other beings besides trees that would like to share their presence with me. But that, you know, a lot of people go through a lot of different training, you know, they yoga or follow a guru or do a number of those other things. And I, I explored some of that too, but really it always felt more real for me, felt like home, just spending time with nature because nature doesn't have an agenda. You know, nature is just so clean in its interpretation of what it's experiencing and what it is. And a lot of people would say, well, nature doesn't have the free will to pretend not to be a tree. Well, that's true. So what are we doing with this free will? What is the game that we're playing that we're kind of pretending not to be God too? Well, you see the byproduct of that. Our world is that game. And I have a lot of sympathy for all the pain and suffering a lot of people have taken on by participating in something that for the most part you inherit if you want to participate on this planet. So Michael came into my life. Well, I was visiting a friend who uh, mentioned that he knew of a really well-known channeler and channeling was kind of new to me. So I went to Eugene, Oregon, listened to this channeler, was kind of blown away at all this information. And then while driving home, out of the blue, I suddenly felt this overwhelming sense of bliss and my whole body went into a kind of an ecstatic feeling. And as I was driving, suddenly the world around me turned into slow motion. And, you know, I freely admit I experimented with a lot of different things, but I never felt any of this. Right. So when I was looking at people walking by, when I was looking at the buildings, I had the strangest feeling that I was the building too, in this state of bliss everything around me looked like that was me too, not me, Robert, the human, but there was something in me that related to all the forms, the road I was riding on, the car I was driving, it was all me experiencing me in all these different forms. So of course my mind came in and reminded me that we're supposed to be driving home safely. Cause you know, I haven't a clue how many red lights I went through. I haven't a clue how I was driving the car. So I got home and really started to re-examine my life. You know, I was living, I was growing up with, well, I had three children, I had a wife. We're living the good life in the country, but something was missing. Something was missing that I could feel. I could do more feeling this. I could share this with other people in a way that's more tangible, less maybe spiritual, certainly nothing to do with religions. But what if everybody knew that this was actually our natural state, knocking at our doors saying, is anyone paying attention? 
because you don't have to play this game pretending that you're not this too. So it was that that examination that I started teaching Reiki classes. And of course, being the 60s and all that, I didn't do it the traditional way. I decided to call it unplugged Reiki, teaching people how to disengage themselves energetically from other sure. people so that the connection was more clean. How old uh, were you, by the way? Oh, how old am I now? No, how old you were then when you were doing that? Ah, uh, boy, I was in my late 20s. Okay. Just so um, I turn, <laughs> yeah, I turn 70 uh, next month. You look fantastic, sir. Fantastic. Well, I, well we're not in LA, right? <laughs> <laughs> the pollution's not as uh, not as heavy up in Oregon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you. So, so I started to reexamine this, and during my Reiki classes, that went on for about five years, and I was teaching a class every month. I noticed that there was an energy that was always in the class that wasn't familiar or wasn't well, by most people wasn't called Reiki energy. And one day I just said, who the hell is this? And I heard in my head, I am Michael. And I, of course, said, who the hell is Michael? And <laughs> so I, I didn't know and he didn't answer. So I called up a pretty well known psychic and scheduled a session. She just started laughing and said, you've got Archangel Michael standing right next to you. And I, again, I said, why? What's he doing with me? And so she offered to channel for him. And he offered to me with me to co teach. And I said, are we doing this as a channel? And he said, with you, let's start there. But you and I both know it's not going to end there. And of course, I'm going, this is weird. This is just really weird, but let's, I, I, let's do it. Yeah. So I have to ask you, I'll stop you for a second. You know, you start hearing voices. You're, you, I mean, you're a fairly, you know, you're an educated man. You know, right. you, you haven't heard voices all your life. Do you, psychologically, how do you deal with this news? Because this is a pretty big plate that you've got to kind of digest here. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Yeah. And I think that was the whole thing with sitting by the trees all those hours is getting really clear about what voice is my voice right. and all this, you know, where is my voice? And I knew that kind of from my human part, but I could always feel there's another energy here that has nothing to do with what I learned in school. What is this that's present? And so, yeah, I don't hear uh, voices in my head. Uh, I only heard Michael once when he introduced himself. Now he just kind of comes in and talks. And I trust him like I trust the tree. Is the tree to me felt natural. There was no manipulation going on. With Michael, it's the same. So what Michael introduced was first channeling and then to take ownership of being a multifaceted, multidimensional being, having a human experience. And to Robert, the human, channeling would have been much easier to own. Because I could say I didn't have anything to do with that. I mean, I'd, let's bring in Michael, he'll say whatever he wants, but I'll disown whatever he says, has nothing to do with me. 
but he was presenting something new that he claims, and I believe him now, is natural part of us, is that each of us have a voice that is divine, that's wanting to experience itself as a human being too. Despite what we see around us, the landscape that we're participating in, this voice has a place on this planet. So my service then to people that I have the honor of working with, and I have to say, if they're watching this, these are some of the most courageous human beings I have ever met, because owning who we naturally are is not an easy thing to do. It's the most fulfilling and challenging choice I've ever made. And if Robert the human had known all the hurdles I'd have to go through, I would have said, no, thank you. But why is it so hard? Because the human thinks it's the one that's identifying with this life as being the true you. The ego. Well, the ego, the human part, yeah. So whenever I ask my human part, what were we doing before we came here to Earth? Since you're all knowing, Robert, what are we doing? What were we? And Robert, I don't have a clue. Well, let me understand. So are you this? Are you the brain? Is that who I'm listening to? No, we couldn't just be the brain. It's got to be more than just the brain. Well, what the hell were we doing before all this? And then when I allowed my soul to come in, my soul has all this information, this incredible stories of what we were doing before Earth was even created, which kind of looks, I know maybe your audience hasn't heard this, but kind of looks like what's going on here. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I know there's a lot of uh, talk about higher consciousness and, you know, looking at a hierarchy of beings and all of existence. And of course, the human being is at the very bottom. Michael said, flip that upside down, is that humanity is offering a living example. And creation, if they want to, now have an example to follow. And, you know, I hadn't heard any of this. You know, I grew up with a Christian family. They didn't talk like this. No. And in the new age, I mean, I just kind of dismiss that too. So to hear it like that is when, well, it makes, Michael, it makes this whole reality we're living in, it feels like what you're presenting, this is just one big illusion. And he just kind of went, yeah, <laughs> it kind of is. Well, these are concepts that have been discussed for for millennia, uh, you know, in the Vedic texts and the you know, the, the the big dream or Maya uh, concepts like this have been talked about, but I think they're starting to become more understandable, especially with quantum physics coming in, starting to explain things that were just not explainable. You couldn't grab onto it. Quantum physics right. is still very oily in the sense that you can't hold on to it very well. But there's something to try to hold on to where this concept before of just like we're all in an illusion, that's just philosophy. Yes. And now physics are starting to get into, into play with this as well. I agree with you 100%. I think quantum physics is the new religion. It's the new spirituality. And hopefully it's not going to become the new religion, but it actually gives the mind labels so that it has something to, to grasp onto that makes it more tangible and physical and real. Mm -hmm. And that's the part you and I are playing is let's present a living example that's, you know, you and I don't have any passion for sitting in a cave and, and looking at our belly button for 20 years. 
But I get why people did that is they had to remove themselves from all the distractions just to get back to something that was real. So, but, yeah. but also when with those with those beings who did do that at the time that they were doing it, I don't think humanity had gone through that at least in this in this incarnation to be able to disconnect. It got to a point where the yogis and the and the the masters started to say. We need to now step out of the caves and go into the boardrooms and to go into companies and to go into life because that's how we're going to change. We can't change anybody from the cave. We need to come out and spread this message, spread this word through actions, through conversations like this. Uh, And I think it's happening more and more every day. I think it's spreading like a wildfire. I think humanity be better be prepared for the majority of leaders are going to be women. And, and thank God. So, you know, nothing against us as a gender, but men, you've had your time. I mean, how long has it been? You know, it's only been <laughs> what a century since we gave them permission to vote. How humiliating is that? I think it, but that is a reflection of a cosmic relationship we have to our own feminine nature, to the mother of creation. And whatever story that you embrace, there's a lot there that we're playing out here. In fact, Michael insists Earth would not have been created if creation itself hadn't become stuck in its own perception of reality. The same perception that somehow the original self had separated itself from us as non-physical beings. And that perception spread like wildfire creating then divisions between beings that are existing in a variety of different dimensions, in a variety of different star systems, which gave birth to all these energy wars, where people were no longer identifying the energy within themselves. They were finding why it, it takes a lot of work to own that it's all a false perception. I think I'd rather just take the energy from you and call right. it my own. And so we see that we see all of that, our cosmic story playing out here on Earth so that we can see it right in our face and we can't deny it. Now, one way to deny it is to just shut down, you know, take some medications and become insensitive. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people have chosen that. But you and I and millions of people on this planet, we've decided to create alternatives to just about everything. As long as it's sustainable, we're on it. And we're helping to support each other. You know, the people that in times that spent their time in the caves, they didn't have zoom. They didn't have group meeting. Yeah, there was no way to support each other. And also society wasn't ready yet. Humanity wasn't ready yet to listen to these ideas. I mean, these ideas, I mean, even 30 years ago, even during the hippies in the 60s, these concepts were still far out, man. (laughs) If I may quote your generation. (laughs) Well, that was kind of embarrassing. (laughs) It was very embarrassing. Thank you. But but generally speaking, the society wasn't ready yet. I mean, these concepts, ideas weren't ready yet. So now it seems that there's an awakening happening where all of these ideas are becoming to be more mainstream. Near-death experiences are mainstream, more mainstream now. There's concepts in near-death experiences that people talk about all the time. I just saw an an ad for a movie I watched this weekend. 
that the main character in the ad is like blah 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 channeled blah 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 i'm like wow they're like that idea yeah 15 years ago wasn't around in yeah. in a a giant big movie so it's really interesting to see how we're all kind of becoming more aware to these ideas and awakening so even like the perfect example is jesus and buddha way if you want to talk about people or beings ahead of their time um they both very well are and they try to pr- to, to project these kinds of ideas to people who just couldn't even grasp the idea of the that just saying you are you are god you are the creator of your reality right you are a witch (laughs) it's very difficult to do so it's it's fascinating to do it we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor and now back to the show uh but robert i want to ask you so when when michael came into your life and you start working with his teachings, how long did you hold this information in before you came out of this kind of archangel spiritual closet? <laughs> I was hoping for at least a week, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> but he was, he was raring to go. So every, you know, my, at that time, my, my wife and I had loved to have people come over and dinner with us and every single person that came over, the dinner was interrupted and Michael will come through, share a message or insights about what's going on in their life. And uh, we've never seen any of these people again. So I'm <laughs> <laughs> not so going I kinda, over to Robert's house anymore. Well, yeah, exactly. It was <laughs> so we did open our house. You know, we we're very naive about all this. We opened our house to anybody in the Eugene area that wanted to come and listen to Michael once a month bring some food for a potluck afterwards and just sit in our living room and we'd have 20 to 30 people and he would just talk. He would just share. Wow. And yeah, it was really, you know, today, I don't know that I would recommend doing that. No, 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 no. But <laughs> back then we were, you know, we were what we were. And, and it, sure. it just was a really heart centered, heartfelt gathering of people. And then during you know, then my ancient wings came into being and we started doing private sessions. And since that time, uh, you know, several thousand private sessions later, that's been instrumental in helping people have a one on one kind of communication with Michael. And let me be clear here. Mm-hmm. So there is Michael, the sovereign being who set parts of himself free. I see him as being my oversoul who set parts of himself free, which then he calls the soul. But he also set a part of himself free called the archangel, who he didn't give the freedom to not be divine. That all the archangels, all 144,000 of them, acted as pillars for a quality of what we remembered our original home, the kingdom, to be like in all the virtues and values that we carried as being God too, because creation was starting to divide. We were starting to forget. We bought into the illusion that we weren't part of this being, that somehow when that being set itself free to give birth to individuated parts of itself, our perception was that it was still in a kingdom somewhere. And we're out here on this blank, dark canvas waiting for us to create without a roadmap, without any skill sets, 
without, apparently we believe, without any support. So it took a while before we understood this presence that set itself free is inside of all of us. But that's not, you know, creation has gone a lot of different directions before Earth was ever created that didn't really perceive that to be real. And that's the birth of the energy wars. Well, so, let me, well, let me ask you this. What is the process of your channeling? Like, how do you, how does Michael come into you? He comes I mean, in as an immense energy okay. that um, initially was just overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, I could hardly keep my eyes open. I didn't know really what part am I actually playing here. You might as well just come into a Barbie doll, you know, if that's... I'm not, <laughs> so. There's movies about that. It's called Chucky. You know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't been there. I haven't been there. So when he comes in, but his energy is so, how should I say, seductive. Mm. I mean, I just was so overwhelmed by so much love. I just never felt that from another person. I, if I did feel that from another person... Well, I did kind of feel that kind of close. I decided to marry her. My second wife, Coca, she's kind of like that, but she, don't, she doesn't like to be here on the camera. Fair enough. Fair, Fair enough. enough. So when he comes in then, I just relax and let him talk. You know, I don't hear a voice in my head. My, I, when before he's coming in, um, when it was called channeling, my thoughts just became quiet. There was no internal dialogue going on. So when he spoke, I went, Oh, there's a thought. And it would just start speaking. Do you are you conscious of what's happening? Or do you kind of like go to an aside sit in the back seat? Do you remember all that kind of stuff? Yeah, when I was channeling, I didn't afterwards, after immediately afterwards, I remembered everything. And then about an hour later, I remembered about 10%. And the next day, people would come up and and commend me for the message. I hadn't a clue what they were talking about. So there was a real disconnect. And that's why Michael insisted channeling, channeling in and of itself, the role of a channeler is to reflect back to who they're channeling to their own truth, until they own that themselves, and then it becomes their voice. And he offered that to me. 10 years ago, he said, Are we done with the channeling? And I said, well, what do you have in mind? He said, you know, like I said earlier, it's time to own being a multifaceted, multidimensional being. There you are from your human perspective. You already know that you were a child and you have that identity. You were adolescent and you can relate to that part of you. And now supposedly you're a mature adult. That was you know, kind of his humor, the mature part. So... <laughs> So I, he said, you know, the human part gets this. It knows how to do this. It relates to these other parts or chooses not to. So now we're going to introduce the parts that are not physical. And those parts you have access to. All of us have complete access to a variety of versions of us, whether you want to call them in the past or the future. Some of them already have the skill sets you're trying to learn to do right now. If you let them in, it's kind of like, what's that movie, The Matrix? Without all the, you don't have to learn Kung Fu to, to be in that kind of, to have that kind of access. We can bring into our awareness these other parts of us. But you've asked about why is it so challenging? It's challenging because the human part, Robert, has one or two control issues. 
let's say Robert only has one, make him feel better. He only has one control issue. So that's not going to be such a big deal, but it is a big deal because what happens to the human part, what happens to the human self when you integrate these other parts of you? Well, then the choice for Robert is return to your natural state, which is to serve the soul, not to pretend that you're the soul, but to serve the soul. So when you talk about mass consciousness, how many in mass consciousness are conscious of the presence of their soul? How many relate to their soul like it's an alien? I mean, that's where we are in this separation here on this planet. So when I started channeling for Yeshua, I did that for 10 years. That was um, incredible for me to have hear him talk about his human self, Jesus, and his non-physical counterpart, Yeshua, and how he too, like all of us, made choices primarily from the human part without allowing his counterpart to be present at the time he was choosing, which should tell you a little bit about the crucifixion, because Yesha would never do that to himself, which should tell you a little bit about us, is to take Jesus off the cross, please, yeah. and get him off the pedestal, whatever pedestal you put him on. He said countless times, all of you are just like me, I am the human and I am this divine part of me too. And when I show you my divine part, that's the part that you trust. When I show you my human part, that's the part that you wonder, is this really the divine part talking? So he could have called it channeling, but he didn't. Yeah, right. And he could have come back here with all of us to do this with us, but he didn't need to because he trusted that we would do this to demonstrate a model that the human part is a part of us and it needs to be honored. And if you want to integrate the soul, not just ascend into the heavens, then that's going to take a little more work because you're dealing with the issues you inherited and you're dealing with a physical body that has not been designed to deal with or to work with the quality of light that we're allowing in right now. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Robert, does do you think Michael would be interested in coming in and, and answering some questions or talking to the audience? You know, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> I'm sure he's knocking on the door. <laughs> no, I'll say it again. I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. So please tell me what's the process so everyone understands what the process is for you so they can... Be right so the process of having your own, well, your soul in your body is a really simple step. But most of you listening are going to say, I don't want to do that. I'll do everything but that. So the step is called allowing. Okay. Just allow it. And what parts of you kind of get bored with just allowing? So Robert kind of trained himself sitting next to the tree friends. That was a state of learning how to allow. And our suggestion to all of you listening, the easiest path to your own personal enlightenment is to just stop right now. Stop whatever you're doing in your life. Stop doing life just long enough, even if just for a second, 
to feel what is also here if you would allow it. So you're allowing yourself to breathe. You're allowing oxygen to come into your nostrils. Pay attention to that. That's the other thing Robert didn't talk about is he actually learned how to stop thinking. And he would practice doing that for 10 minutes by putting all of his tension just on the air coming into his nostrils. And 10 minutes later, he would find himself in a very altered state without ingesting anything. Good for him, much cheaper. So how do how does this human family work with this? Well, there has to be some living examples. And right now, there are 22,000 human beings on this planet who consciously know how to connect to their soul and allow it to be integrated in their physical body. They don't represent like Jesus and Yeshua didn't represent, just like Siddhartha and Buddha did not represent a perfect example. They just represent a living example. And that's what we're asking for. And of course, that's what all of you have provided. You're not separate from us. As an oversoul, I'm joined here on this planet by, well, a few thousand other oversouls here offering guidance support for what the 8 billion human beings. But there's less than 1% of you that have chosen to be aware of that support that's being freely offered. So yes, allowing allowing. That sounds a lot more like something the heart can relate to. And you, Alex, have a very big heart. But you also know you've got a very busy mind. And so the mind's going to question, what's the rewards? What's the benefit? What do I gain? Well, you gain mind eternal life. If you allow it, because here's the deal. What you fear the most by not having the soul in your body, yeah, you die. That's it. Game over. Or allow the soul to integrate into the body with you, and you come with the soul when it's done experiencing itself in this body. You would think, I mean, even Costco doesn't offer better deals than that. Who would say no to that? Well, apparently, almost 99% of humanity has said, no, thank you. Why? Because they don't trust what they don't know, what they have forgotten. And the stories that have been told to them, shame on you, religions, shame on you for making the human being feel guilty. What a power play. Shame on you. But I don't judge you. I allow you to play that game. But with so many now on this planet that have allowed the presence of their own divinity to be here, game's over. Game's over. This is the time for the new beginning. Some prefer to call it the end time. We call it the new beginning. This is the beginning, almost like a reset to the story of creation. Ah, oh, the original self chooses to set its free to know itself in a variety of unknown ways just for the joy of it. That's what many of you are experiencing right now. It's like you just woke up from a bad dream. What in the world was I doing? What in the world was I thinking? So back to my words of advice, stop. Just stop. 
because there's something inside of you that wants to come out, that wants to express itself, that wants to share just with you in a very private way that you are beautiful, you are magnificent, that you don't have to become enlightened. You just have to allow the part of you that already is. Now, in my work with all of you, the majority of people would say to me, well, that's no fun. You mean I don't need to do the work to become what I think is impossible? What am I supposed to do? Dear mind, serve the one that is, and it will keep you very busy because you have a very important role to play. It is you that's able to see what's right in front of you. Unlike these other divine parts of you that prefer to look at Earth and humanity from a different perspective. You might call it higher, but it's really not higher. A different perspective. They're like eagles flying above you, connected to you, but flying above you. They see the total landscape, but it's you, mind, that sees right in front of you. And that allows then spirit, your own divinity, to see that too. So, mind, Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. Indeed. Is this is this why we are seeing so many of the old institutions and ideas and religious orders starting to crumble and buckle under the pressure of this new wave of consciousness that is happening around the world? Indeed. It isn't that in part, but it's also crumbling because you can't call yourself spiritual and be an energy feeder. Mm. You just can't. It just doesn't look good. Even to those that don't know any difference, they feel something. They feel that the guilt that is implied is actually energy feeding. They feel that if the minister wants to administer something that is divine, then sit with the people form a circle and sit with the people, be one with them and take off those incredible costumes. <laughs> they are quite, they are quite spiffy, I have to say. <laughs> so there's two things going on here, Alex, that are, that's important for people to understand. There's the broader the world needs to change. And there's a lot of people with a lot of creative ideas, new energy that are feeling passionate about helping to change the world as it is. But those who are involved in this change in that way more actively, they need to know that there's a support. There's an energetic support for some of the things that they're choosing to do that are not being supported by so many human beings. And that is in the hands of those that we refer to, the 22,000. And that number will double in the next, well, next 30 years. Those people are acting like what you used to put on the angels above you. Those people are allowing the angel inside of them to be here, to act as a radiance of light to ensure that humanity has the choice, has the ability to choose, has the opportunity to believe in themselves as humanity has never believed in itself in this way, consciously, to see that, dear human beings, creation follows you. Not in the mess you're in, 
but the solution that you find yourself in. So yes, the support, both these elements here on earth are working hand to hand. You're working together. Some of you would think, well, wait a minute, you just go and climb mountains all day and go kayaking. I mean, what are you doing to help change the world? Well, those that are doing that are also consciously aware of the presence of their soul so as to shine that presence in support of everything else that everybody else is doing. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So they're working hand in hand. Let's not create a division here between those two camps because they both play a vital role in helping to turn this planet into something that is sustainable. What is the biggest obstacle for humans in understanding the teachings that you're trying to put out into the world? Trying to figure it out. In what sense? Thinking about it. Asking their mind to understand it before before you relate to your heart that already knows what I'm saying. Everything I've ever said through Robert, none of it is new to any of you. You already know everything that we were saying. So, so does your heart. And then of course, the mind would say, how would you know that heart? Did you read some book? Where'd you get that information? You've been listening to that crazy guy channeling for Michael? But your heart knew this and survived the conditioning it had to endure and came out of that to be the human being that you are now and is still aware that what is true to it is true. Not the human wounded heart, but the heart of your soul. So by allowing that soul to be present, you allow the confusion, the questions, the pain, the suffering, all that goes away. Nobody did anything to you. You allowed the presence to come in, and then you allow what is stuck to be released inside of you. And we warn you, that's not a piece of cake. That takes a lot of courage to acknowledge that no longer is me. I'm going to let that go too. That's why Robert referred to, if he had known, he would have never said yes to this. Hmm. Because it can be humiliating at times. It can really test your human pride. And you have a lot of pride. It is your pride that helped you survive being human. But the pride itself is getting in the way of allowing what is also right here and now. And that now is starting to emerge. This is the Christ light. You're at the new beginning. What has been prophesied for ages is now here. So we would say for you that are open to this, this would be a great time to celebrate. We see in your city that there's no lack of celebration there. So join the celebration. It's a wonderful thing, playing the music, celebrating while you're eating. When you wake up in the morning, start to feel a little more turned on, brushing your teeth. This is a new beginning. This is the time to be aware of your senses, to open up and to stop closing down to completely open up because now it's safe because we're all here. When you let your soul in, we're all here too. Michael, has this event ever happened in humanity's past 
in, in, in any other incarnation. Clever, clever man. <laughs> <laughs> so there's been three versions of Earth. You had Lemuria. And in that version, physicalness was was related to with hands off is you could feel that when you blended with the physical realm, then you kind of felt stuck. You didn't have the freedom to get out of here if you wanted to get out of here. So that ended in its own accord because it just wasn't enough energy to support the life it had created. And then there, of course, was the Atlanteans. And you know the story. So that's not to blame anybody. And where you are right now with your technology, it's greater than anything the Atlanteans created. But it was a time too that you develop what you now call your spiritual warrior. And that spiritual warrior birthed itself into now this third version of this earth, fighting for your right, fighting for your freedom. When I, in, as the archangel, 10 years ago, at the Crimson Circle, laid my sword down to stop fighting your own battles with you, for you, and invited all of you, lay the sword down. Not everybody is going to choose their freedom. And the freedom isn't something you have to fight for. Your freedom comes to you. It comes to you. But if you're going to own it, then you have to own your relationship to your physical human self and all the things that you perceive to be imperfect. They'll always be imperfect. They're fine just the way they are. Get over it. Stop beating yourself up. But you'll also have to stop projecting how you judge yourself and judge others who also have the right, if it's all about freedom, to choose to bear arms if they want to. Even though you might not choose that for yourself, they might. <clears throat> that means that all of creation, and this is where it became a problem, because many beings had hoped that the original self would manage creation, would intervene and apply some controls, maybe even create a couple commandments. But of course, she didn't and she won't. She will only participate in what she set free if she's allowed to participate in it. So you, all of you, are at the cutting edge of an example of not only a new human being, you're creating a new human species, but you're also inspiring the non-physical realms to take a look. If we can do this in the densest reality in all of creation, my friends, what's your excuse? <laughs> Which so, should tell you a little bit about your inherent courage to be here, Alex. Why? It takes a lot of courage, knowing that you're going to get stuck. The gravity itself will pull you in and you'll become part of a collective consciousness of humanity. And you'll have to fight your way out of that, at least initially until you finally discover this freedom that we're talking about, that's more about grace than battle. 
Well, then you mentioned letting the soul in. Can you explain what that means? Because it's it's a little esoteric for me. Sure. And I would love to see if there's any techniques or advice on how to allow the divine part of you to come into the human part of you. Indeed. So going back to your breathing, that's been used by all the different traditions for a good reason. You can feel the breath. You actually mm -hmm. feel the oxygen coming through. And then if you translate that over to then feel your soul, not coming through your nostrils, that'd be kind of gross, but coming into your body, are you capable of also breathing in, allowing in that soul? So we go through a lot of ways to make that easier for people, but it always comes back down to allowing. In a way, we distract your mind by creating practices that it goes, okay, that's something I can do. I'll practice that. But eventually it all comes right back to, are you allowing what you practice? So we could name a variety of billions of different practices. They're all out there for anybody to hear. Any one of them that speaks to your heart, go ahead and keep practicing it. But eventually it just comes down to the simplicity. Are you allowing? the real you to be with you too. Not that your human's not real, but it's not the one that incarnated. What is the biggest struggle that we have going on right now in our lives? You don't love yourself. You really don't. So you are hoping others do for you. And so you gain that love from others by doing certain things, by accomplishing certain things. And then you're left feeling still pretty empty because you still don't fully love yourself. And of course, you have so many suggesting you don't deserve to be loved. That the only reason you're here on Earth is this is some kind of penal colony that's been hmm. set up for all the beings and all of creation. This is where they all come when you don't meet their standard. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. These stories are just amazing. I mean, incredibly amazing. And yet you've survived them all. So loving yourself in a way relates to allowing. And loving yourself is one of the hardest things for any human being to do. Because let's say it this way, the conditioned human part of you isn't capable of loving itself completely because it's been conditioned not to. But the soul can love your human part unconditionally. And if the human part would allow itself to be loved back and just flush that human pride down the toilet, you would experience some amazing, amazing shifts in your life. Speaking to all of you, speaking to all of you that are watching this, the shifts that you're hoping for, they come to you when you love yourself in a way that allows the soul to be loving you back. So we would say the greatest resistance to allowing the soul to be present is also the lack of trust. How do you trust as a human being something that has no form? I mean, already when the winds blow and they blow in speeds that are threatening to you called a hurricane, 
you then start to distrust nature. You trusted it a moment ago, planting a flower, but when it shows itself as an element of wind, or when the earth cracks and opens up, or when the rains are nonstop, what's going on with all that? So the mind of humanity would better trust all life if the mind could manage it and control it. Your scientists have tried that. Mm -hmm. How's that going? <laughs> Not that well, sir. <laughs> but in relationship to your own personal life, how's it going with your mind trying to organize, trying to construct a safe space for you in a way that does feel safe to be so vulnerable, to open up and just allow? So is that not also the issue? Human safety. When there's some people that don't honor life and will do things to other people that make it appear like it's not as safe as it once was to be a human being. Well, it's always been like this. Now you're just seeing it. Now someone with a phone can record it. So this is a time here when all these old constructs start to surface that all of you inherited as a soul, all of you inherited it. And then there was a disconnect between the human part and soul. And now it's a reconnect time, a big reconnect time. Thank God your soul has a tremendous degree of patience. <laughs> Michael, do you have any parting messages for the audience? In my interaction with creation, there's no other being I'm more proud of than the human being. There is none. I find myself deeply in love with all of you, or I would leave. So we can do this together. And we are doing it together. And we want to thank you, Alex, for creating a format that all these that are watching, in a way you showcase so many different perspectives of what it means to be a teacher or a guide, they have so much to choose from. And my recommendation to all of you, try them all, try them all. And if we can help you, then it's my honor. Thank, Thank you, you, Alex. Michael. Oh, Thank indeed. you, Michael. Robert, are you back? Yes, still here. <laughs> <laughs> Multifaceted so and all. So you remember everything that happened right now? Uh, not so much, but I'm good with that. I can, you know, <laughs> the, the brain here can only, uh, it's limited, the human brain. Of course. So what did the human brain do? Why don't we create an improved version of me called what? These computers? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they're processing at speeds that this brain can't keep can't, up with. Can't keep up. Our hardware is a little bit limited, uh, especially is. when you're com comparing it to the spiritual realm. <laughs> Well, let's 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 do something really crazy. Let's bring that realm to earth. I think it's time for it to happen. So I'm glad. Um, uh, I appreciate you coming on, my friend, and talking and and bringing Michael on. Um, you have you have a very calming voice. You remind me. Uh, your voice reminds me of Neil Donald Walsh. Uh, oh. That voice is just very calming. The the hurts of your voice is very calming. Can so, I just uh, take a second here? Sure. To, to my wife, they're calling my voice calming. Why are you laughing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, 
my friend, I have the same situation with my wife. So don't worry about it. <laughs> it's just, just we need we need those energies in our life to keep us grounded. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. No, it was really no. fun to be with you today. So I'm, I'm going to ask you a few questions to ask all my guests. Sure. Oh, what is the definition of living a fulfilled life? Well, being yourself. If you had a chance to go back in time and speak to little Robert, what advice would you give him? Buckle your seatbelt. <laughs> it's going to be one hell of a ride. <laughs> it's going to be, a, and you just won't believe what happens. Uh, how do you define God? As being me too. And the ultimate purpose of life is? That there is no purpose. There is but experience, and it's only an experience. There's no purpose. There's no agenda. It's just the experience, and that is freedom manifested. And where can people find out more about you uh, and the teachings of Michael? Uh, the teachings of Michael.com. It's all there. Um, you're welcome to join a couple communities. Welcome to participate in our workshops. And my private sessions are very limited. But if you dig deep, you'll find them there too. And do you have any parting messages for the audience? I just love being here with all of you. I mean, isn't this, I know it's the worst of times, but it's also the best of times. Mm -hmm. So let's do this together because we are doing it, right? I mean, can you believe what we've created so far and where the world is at right now? Let's look back at this in a decade and go, oh my gosh, look at everything that's changed in such a short period of time. So, and breathe. Let's just breathe a lot because this isn't going to be easy for most of humanity your presence, our presence here. And let's have compassion for how people relate to that. Okay. Robert, I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you again for the work you're doing and uh, for everything you and Michael are doing to awaken the planet. So I appreciate you. Thank you, my friend. You take care. I want to thank Robert so much for coming on the show and sharing his knowledge with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash three two. Three. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.